0: Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. What our heart here. Our heart is for, number one, uh, the exaltation of Jesus. That Jesus, the name of Jesus be made famous in a region. That God can come and do whatever He wants to. That we can provide the Holy Spirit. And when we say provide the Holy Spirit, yes, we provide the Holy Spirit with an atmosphere in which He can move and do whatever He wants to. Well, how can you be so arrogant and say, you provide the Holy Spirit? Yes, because He has delegated His authority to the church and we allow Him and uh, gladly allow Him to do what He wants to do because we have great emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this house. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. All right, He is the power of God and He is there to bear witness of The resurrected Christ, that's His purpose. So when we preach the Gospel, the Holy Spirit shows up to say, yep, that's true. And then we see the evidence of the power of God. That's part of our heart. The other side of the coin of our heart is this, is that we speak a very new covenant language in this house. And... It is something, you know, I just wanna go here so that I don't misquote it, and, uh, but I have complete agreement with, if I can find it now, Lord have mercy, I'm probably gonna try to, uh, okay, that's not even where I'm supposed to be, Lord have mercy. Okay, so Charles, how many of you know who Charles Spurgeon is? Okay, we're not gonna get into the details, but needless to say, he was a pretty smart guy. But he says this, he says, I sometimes wonder that you do not get tired of my preaching. Because I do nothing but hammer away at this one nail. I've driven it in to the head and I've gone around to the other side to clinch it, but I still keep at it. With me it is, year after year, none but Jesus, none but Jesus. And the bottom line is this, is that you know, we go in a lot of different directions and we preach on different subjects because God is a diverse God. But remember this, you will always hear in the language of how we minister from Sunday to Sunday that it is always filtered through the finished work of Jesus. So whatever we're preaching about as a subject gets Taken and submitted to Christ's accomplishment for us. All with me? So that on the other side, if we will take whatever we're bringing as a message, we put it through the filter of the cross, what remains is Christ seated on the throne of the language that we minister into the hearts of the people with. Are you with me? So what I'm trying to say is when we are filtering the message on this side, when we take what's left over, we should only see Jesus remaining. In other words, the emphasis is on what Jesus has done and not on what we can do. Amen? It's all about Jesus. And what He's done, it's not about what we can do. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And I know that might sound a little bit different for you this morning. It shouldn't. And I usually say this. (laughs) If you are challenged by what you hear, listen to the language. It is a language that puts Jesus in His rightful place, that is man removed and Christ exalted. Are you with me? Man removed, Christ exalted. Isn't the Gospel about Jesus? So if you are challenged by it, you're not challenged by me, you're challenged by the Word of God or better yet you're challenged by Jesus because that's what the Gospel is. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, he said, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech or, uh, you know, I didn't come to you in great philosophy, I didn't come to you with great orthodoxy, amen. I didn't come to win your head. I didn't come to win your mind. I didn't come to win your heart. I didn't come to represent myself. I came as a messenger, bringing the one who is seated on the throne to push Him forward so that when I walk away, You have him seated on the throne and not the affairs of men. It's not a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of me. And the Paul, the language Paul uses there to describe what I'm describing to you. He says, Brethren, I didn't come to you with those persuasive words. I didn't come to you to try and appeal to your mind. He does say, however, I came to you with much fear and much trembling. So in other words, not only is Paul saying, I didn't come to you with my own philosophy and theology, but I also came in fear and trembling with the absolute consciousness that whatever I say, lean on the side of exalting Jesus, that I'm conscious about the fact that it is about Him and Him alone. He's not just, Coming in nonchalantly and casually. He's coming in with fear and trembling. The fear of God is working in him. Amen? Paul, uh, in the book of Philippians, he says, "You know, uh, you know, work out your salvation." With again, he uses the language fear and trembling. And then we stop at that scripture and put everybody into a frozen panic about their salvation with the Lord, because now we're, we're, we're now uh, we're, we're now we're throwing people into this fear of every day we live in this complete like. I wonder if I'm saved when I wake up. I don't know if I'm saved. Paul wasn't talking about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling like it was you were on thin ice and you could lose your salvation at any given point. Now, now we're not gonna go into there because those of you thinking I'm preaching eternal security, just that's not what I'm preaching. For goodness sake. But he does say the next verse, for it is God who works in you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Be conscious of the one who you're representing. Why? Because Paul has a revelation and I'm going into this. And guys, remember this, this is me. I've got a lot to go with, but I've gotta be led by the Spirit this morning to give you where we're going here and and what it is that we adhere to, what we hold to, what we represent, and we represent nothing less than Him and Jesus and Him crucified. We need nothing less than to exalt the Name of Jesus in the earth. And I'm sorry to tell you that a lot of places are not. Just telling you. And I'm not coming from out of, you know, I didn't come to you this morning. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, I have a little bit of a humour and sometimes I can be a little bit cathartic. What does that mean? I can say something every once in a while that might shock you and that's just the equivalent of me pouring some ice cold water on you so that you can sober up to reality. I'm not coming from a place of sucking some, something out of my thumb. This is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak because revelation. I've received revelation from God because I've been on the other side. I know what it looks like there. And I'm here telling you I'm on the other side. You've heard me say this many times. I've been on the other side of the river. I know the way that most people see through that lens. I'm on the other side of the river and I'm saying, there's another realm of glory on this side could you just listen, let go of the garbage of religion and come on over to the other side. Essentially my, my, my burden for the church is actually to fight with you to, for you to be free and most people in the church are fighting to stay in bondage. No, 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 that's what I've got to deal with. That's what I deal with in the church. I fight with people to be free and the people fight with me because they wanna stick to their religion. Which part of me trying to get you free don't you get? Now, I'm saying that in the general editorial, you. So that's not me picking on anybody. So Paul understood, just like Abram in Genesis 22. That God does not recognize the works of the flesh. What do do I mean by that? God does not even acknowledge dead religion. (laughs) It doesn't even show up as a vapor before him. Why? Because look at at God's language to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse one and two. God speaking to Abraham, He says, "Take uh, take now your only son, Isaac, to the mountain of which I shall show you. And I say that 101 times, but I will say it all the more, just like Spurgeon, none but Jesus, because really where I'm going with everything is always to get out of the way, to put Him in the way. And my job as a minister of the gospel that God has sent me to this region is to make sure that we keep Him the main thing because the moment we deviate, we talk about it. Nope, get right back on track. Stay on the foundation. And God says to, to Abraham, take now your only son, Isaac. What, what? Think about that. Is that true? What, did, did I who came first? Ishmael or Isaac? Okay, so when God spoke to Abraham, he said, Take now your only son. To the mountain of which I shall show you. Why? Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So God does not acknowledge the work of the flesh. How is that the work of the flesh? God God came into covenant with Abraham. God spoke to Abraham and said He would make him the father of many nations. And Abraham thought, come on, let me just tell you, Ishmael was Abraham's attempt to help God. That is what what religion does. Religion is us here on earth attempting to try to help God like God can help Himself. No, no, no. We're not trying to help God. God is wanting to co-labor with us. Are you with me? I'm talking a little bit slow here this morning. Ishmael is Abraham's attempt to help God fulfill the promise. Isaac is Abraham working through, well, Isaac is God working through Abraham to accomplish His purpose. Big difference. Isaac is initiated by God. Ishmael is initiated by men. What is birthed in the flesh must be maintained by the flesh. What is born of the Spirit will be maintained by the Spirit. Are you with me? Yes. So Paul is speaking under no uncertain terms as he's saying anything less than that discovery of understanding that he is absolutely a- enamored with the eternal purposes of God. So there is a weighty revelation of him stepping out of the way so that Jesus can be revealed. That's why He said, I work, you know, I come to you with fear and trembling. Because when we step on over into, the, into eternity, He was conscious of the eternal realm that when He steps on over, that, that nothing, that, 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 that His life wasn't given in vain. His life and his, the ministry that God ordained him wasn't in vain, that it wasn't all gonna just be burnt and, 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 and amount to a hill of beans and amount to nothing because he knew God would not, God doesn't recognise the works of the flesh. Paul, the same Apostle Paul, read the book of Galatians chapter three. He says, oh foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you started out in the Spirit and now you have ended up in the flesh? Come on. We receive the Spirit by faith, not through the works of the flesh. And the reason I'm so strong on this to help people get get this, because here's the thing. Let me just go ahead and say this. When somebody apprehends the gospel for what it's worth, everything about them changes. Their language changes. Their perspective changes. Look, let me just go ahead and say this. Not that I'm... uh, When the gospel and I... I, (laughs) Where I was saved, gloriously saved. And we're gonna head somewhere now because I feel the Spirit of the Lord wants me to go there. We'll get there in a few. When when God came and radically encountered me, I grew up around a mom and dad that were in the ministry my entire life. That were used as revivalists that actually witnessed and saw a genuine awakening of the Holy Ghost on a little island in the middle of the Indian Ocean where thousands and thousands upon thousands of people were impacted from an initial move of the Spirit 40 to 50 years ago. Today, there's still one of some of the largest churches that are established are fruits that came out of that move of God that God used them to pioneer. When they were six months in the Lord, mind you, they knew nothing. God sent them to an island. God's audible voice came to them, told them to go back to the island. My dad answered that voice because he was in South Africa at the time and they heard their names being called out in a flea market. Pierre and Josie, go to the island of Mauritius. They looked at their friends and they said, did you hear that? They all looked at each other and they said, no. Then two minutes later, Pierre and Josie go. And by the way, y'all can really identify with me in here in Cajun City because my, my dad's name was Pierre and my mom's name was Josiane. C'est français, oui, oui. C'est bon. Laissez les montants rouler. Come on. So then that voice spoke again, Pierre and Josie go to Mauritius and my dad says, please excuse me because by this point he was smart enough to know that it was the Lord speaking to them. Audibly, he walks off from the flea market and starts to argue with the Lord. He said, Lord, I don't wanna go to Mauritius. I don't wanna go to Mauritius. I wanna go to Israel. Israel. God says to him, why do you want to go to Israel? He said, Lord, I want to walk where you walked. I want to be where you were. And this is all out of an affection for Jesus. I mean, he's just, they are passionate, zealous. I mean, he wants to go where Jesus was. And he says, Lord, I want to go where, I want to walk. I, I want to see your empty tomb. And the Lord I responds to him and says, I don't want you to go to Israel, but I want you to go back to your island and tell them about the power that took me out of that tomb. So they go back to the island and God uses them in the Roman Catholic Church because the Roman Catholic Church discovered that my dad had a religious experience. So the Roman Catholic Church opens for them and they begin to take the Bible that you and I read and open up to the Gospels. And some of the epistles, and just read verbatimly because they're six months in the Lord. They don't know what it is to preach and to have a beginning and a body and a conclusion. And you know, let's wow everybody with the revelation that we transport. They They didn't know any of that. They weren't orthodox in any way, shape or form. And as they begin to verbatimly read from the Scriptures, demons start coming out of people, people start getting healed, people start getting set free and lives start coming into the Kingdom of God. That when they were excommunicated 6,500 people later from the audience that were attending their revival services, when they walked out of the church, 2000 people followed them on foot to their house. Amen. But anyway, so I've grown up around the gospel. I've been gospelized. I've been deputized in the gospel. I've had it coming in my ears, my nose, every crevice. It's come into it. I mean, I've been fully saturated by 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 by. By the love of God and Jesus and a lot of the good stuff. I, I mean, God had brought me onto platforms and and still continues to take me on great platforms of which I don't really care because God's not interested in the size of the platforms that we preach behind. He's not even remotely interested in any of that stuff. God still gives me that because He's put favor on my life. Wonderful, I'm so grateful. But in early 2008, I had an encounter with the gospel that was focused entirely of Jesus. Upon From the works of men. After preaching in all of these places, I was saved. But I felt like I got saved all over again. And when Paul talks about the fear and trembling so that we make sure that it is Jesus, the one that is seated on the throne of what we are preaching to God's people. For six to eight months, I shut my mouth because of the fear of the Lord, because I had to relearn all over again how to communicate the truth of God's Word without putting any law and legalism and bondage and religion on people. because the fear of the Lord was present. I didn't wanna get up behind the platform and put bondage on people. That's the kind of encounter that changed the way I saw things, the way that I spoke. Some of you are going, well, man, what are you talking about? You were already preaching the Gospel before that and then you felt like you got saved all over again. Well, I don't even understand. What are you you even saying? Well, what's the difference? The difference is the Gospel puts Jesus on the horse in front of the cart while religion puts the cart behind the horse. I mean, in front of the horse. The other way around. Religion will have you engaging in all kinds of activities in the name of God, but it has no power. And I'm looked at as the crazy one. No, 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 no. You look at me crazy because you're just seeing me on the other side of the bank, but you don't wanna let go. You see, this is where I'm telling you, it, 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 there is a price to pay to stand up for the truth. It's, listen, let me go. A salmon swims upstream. It's easy to be a dead log and float downstream. since when was Christianity and the Gospel about following and making sure we're comfortable with everybody else. And the biggest influence is the people that we open our ears to, that speak into our lives, that keep us bound. And just when we're coming into freedom, people say, well, just be careful now. There's a price to pay for the Gospel. And then the other side of it, and this is why I am laying a foundation to know what you hear behind this pulpit, not because I am boasting, I am separating myself. God forbid that there is any exaltation of man. But I will tell you, it's about, it's about us making sure that the purity of the Gospel is conveyed. And I just made this post on Facebook. I don't care how many gifts you flow in, how Powerful those gifts flow in your life, it does not mean jack squat because the measurement of a man's ministry or a woman's ministry is not in how well or accurately they can flow in gifts. Yeah. How long will you flow? How long will you run after gifts? That's not the Gospel. Now to fix that statement, is that the gifts of God are necessary. I'm not belittling gifts, but it is not the measurement of how we weigh a man's ministry or woman's ministry. Why? Because the Bible is, Wake up, church! Wake up! Christ being formed in you and His Word being formed in you. How So how then can we measure a ministry? We measure a ministry by the Word that we receive. And how do we easily measure that? It's the Gospel is simple. When Jesus is at the centre of what you are sitting under, ladies and gentlemen, you are sitting under the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. And anything... That tells you it's otherwise. Paul said this. Let me just go ahead and tell you this. What did Paul say? He said, If any man come and or angel come and preach another gospel other than what I've preached, let him be accursed. And he says it again, I tell you, if any man come and preach a gospel other than the one I've preached, even if an angel comes to you, even yea, verily, if an angel comes before you, let him be Accursed. Y'all come to church today. So so I have to just come in and, and and just break this again because we need to be rooted in what we are hearing today. And what you are hearing today is everything that comes forth is submitted to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the other side, when it's communicated, it keeps Jesus at the centre. I'm not preaching to you any message behind this platform that in order for you to be as anointed as I am or as articulate as I am or whatever you think that you have to do what I do in order to be there. And yet religion will sit there and maybe not verbatimly vocalise what you are hearing today, but invisibly the ears of the hearers sitting in the pews going, I will never ever measure up to them and what they do for God. I mean, they fast, 10 days a month, they pray 10 hours a day and you begin to become insecure in the comparison of somebody else's spiritual walk that invisibly tells you they're anointed of God because of what they did. Fooey. I hope this helps free somebody here today. It's gotten a little bit quiet in here in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I'm not promo- I'm promoting uh, yeah, just just bear in mind every like 30 seconds, remind yourself, he's exalting Jesus. Amen. Amen. Revelations chapter two. <coughs> to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Let's try and see if I can go there real quick. Yeah, Revelations chapter two. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things. He who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands He says, "I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have been test and you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. In other words, not to be carriers of the truth. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary." He says here in verse four, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. And everything about what I'm sharing with you today is rooted in this, of what you hear, what, is, what do we carry and what do we want people to also carry that is a Christ-centric gospel because there is no other gospel. It's not another gospel, there's only one gospel. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love. Okay, so I can tell you in, on the 30th of June, 1996, after I had my little three-year heyday of living like the devil, I had a real epiphany by the power of the Holy Spirit that I was either going to end up in prison for the rest of my life or end up dead. I knew it like I knew, like I knew. As sure as my salvation is sure, I knew that I was on the track to nowhere very quickly. But the moment Jesus came into my life and radically shifted everything about me, I knew what I wanted to do. And you know what? And I'm just trying to get you to connect with this because it says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love." You could have grown up in church your whole life. You could have been around the things of God, but at some point in your life, you can go back to that place where the revelation of Jesus Christ and His saving grace, His power, Hour came to you and there was that decision that you made to say, yes, I believe and I'm gonna follow you. I'm talking about that day. And many of you can go back, some of you can maybe tell the date of when that happened, but there is a time and place that you can remember when that took place in your life. And that's what I'm bringing back you back to. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you left your first love. What was that first love? That first love originated in the complete and total understanding that apart from Jesus' saving power, you were on your way to nowhere really quickly and we know that we're gonna go down to a lost eternity without God, a place of torment, separated from God. Are you with me? Listen to me right now. And you were so enamoured and in love with Jesus, why? Because you were so, you were under the complete revelation. Without anybody teaching you a single thing, you had the revelation that apart from Christ, you were lost. Are you with me? And therefore you love Him because He first loved you. And in that time of your life, you responded, you walk with God and whatever you did in the kingdom was response from the heart, from what He did for you. In other words, come on, you brought nothing to the table. You contributed nothing at all and your revelation was loaded with that understanding. And guess what? Your response was from the place of what He did for you. And then guess what? Religion came in. And it says, here, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left your first love." What does that mean? That you've left it? That what? What does that mean? You've left your first love? What is the first love? We just described what the first love. He says you left it, which means you were never supposed to what? Depart from it. Who came in and told you it was about you, essentially? Who? came into your walk and said the same grace by faith that brought you into the kingdom, once you are now saved, get onto the treadmill performance and work it out because religion teaches you that. You are no better than an Israelite under the law, working under self-righteousness when God has given us His grace, the only thing that provides the power for us to be free from sin and to walk a victorious life. The only thing. Look what it says here. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. You've left your first love. Remember from where you've fallen. Hey, and that word fallen is not negative here. Remember where you've fallen from. In other words, you were in a place operating in kingdom power and authority and the love of God. Manif- Remember from where you, you actually didn't go up, you went down. You fell from that place. It says, repent and return to your first works. In other words, this morning, the Word of God and the truth to you is bearing, revel- it, is, it is, come on, it is like kind of burning the, the scales that may possibly be there. And it is like God is making you understand what that first love is like and you are evaluating yourself Not condemning yourself, not, because there's no judgment and condemnation in what I'm trying to share. This isn't to judge or condemn anybody. It is just to bring you up, to sober you up, to remember about that place. And God says remember therefore where you have fallen from, repent and then do your first works. In other words, the works in the ministry that God saved you into, everything that erupted from your life was never done out of religious duty, but out of relationship as a son and a daughter in the house of God, everything that you put your hands to was out of a response from His love, but instead religion put the cart before the horse and told you that in order for you to get anything from God, it's gonna, you've shifted from works by faith and you've just like the Galatians, you have been bewitched. You started out in the spirit and now you have ended up under the works of the law. Who's bewitched you? Who came and peddled a lie to you? Just to be blunt. And if I am to be persecuted for this message, so be it. Do you think Jesus was persecuted because he had a wonderful message? The spirit of religion put him on the cross and these people who transport the gospel of which I preach, religion of today's world and I'm not just talking about Muslims, I'm talking about the Christian world. Right. They are selling you another type of gospel. They're selling you something else. It sounds great, but it's got no, it, it sounds great, but, but that's not the gospel. Sorry, I'm just telling you how it is and this is what we believe and this is how we will believe and we will not compromise for it. And if you, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And, and, and if you're gonna get persecution, let me just tell you right now, because if you will actually listen and you will respond, let me tell you right now, your friends are gonna persecute you first in the churches that they go to and your family? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because that's how radical we believe. We believe it's all about Jesus here. What you mean it's all about Jesus? No, 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 but, because they're gonna come and tell you no but. No but. We're not preaching that we don't do works. Yes, we do. We absolutely have works, but our works are response-based out of the love of God that He's poured out upon us. They come from the revelation of His goodness to us. We fast not because we have to fast. We fast because we want to fast. We don't fast to get more anointed. We fast because we're already anointed. If anything, a fast is gonna help you to get whatever. I mean, it's, fasting is for your benefit. That's it, period. No, no, no. So, so you can't get, let me just go ahead and tell you, you can't get more anointed than what you are already. Okay, so let me just break it this way. Uh, the fullness of Christ lives and dwells on the inside of you. But we peddle a gospel that tells you that the more you do, the more anointed you will become. Like, okay, so their version of the gospel is they've got a box, they've cut up Jesus into a thousand little blocks and pieces. And when you got saved, you brought your little box with Jesus on the side of you. And every time you do good, you take little pieces of Jesus and put them on the inside of you. Come on, guys, seriously. Seriously. The fullness of Christ dwells on the inside of you. When you pray, it's not that you get anointed. When you pray and when you wanna spend time with God, revelation comes from the one that's already on the inside of you. So if, you, if your function and the gifts begin to operate differently, it's not because what you did make you more anointed. No, it's the revelation of Him being on the inside of you that turned the light on so that the function of what's... You see, you begin to release a lot more of the treasure that's already on the inside he said, come on, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, come on here, there, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in, 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 in earthen vessels. Christ in you, the hope of glory, He's on the inside of you. We're not preaching an external Jesus. We're not peddling a Jesus that's somewhere on the outside and the more good you do, the more of Him comes to dwell on the inside of you. This should be a liberating sound. This should be a liberating gospel. where I have no fingers in the affair of what the Holy Spirit can and can't do in the hearts of people sitting in here. I'm not here, but I can't. Listen, let me tell you right now, I cannot change any one of you other than the fact that I can come and preach the truth. But my only job is to rest in the fact that as I preach the truth, I trust the Holy Spirit that He's given to the church to go and work and go where the knife of man cannot go in your minds and your hearts and begin to bring that transformation. My only job in the middle of that process is to love you through it. And by, love you, by loving you through it, I don't know what it is that you depend on. I don't float. Unlike many people paint a picture that some men of God are, we know, whenever they come to preach behind the pulpit, they leave the pulpit and they're floating six foot above the air, hovering at all times because they're so Holy. in a a continual perpetual state of levitation and the only time their feet are in the ground is when they preach behind the pulpit. No, no, no. Let me just go ahead and tell you the same grace that they need is the same grace I need is the same grace you need. And I am all for the honouring of the offices of the fivefold ministry, 100%. You will always hear me honour that of, those offices. <clears throat> Say this with me. The fullness of Christ lives and dwells on the inside of me. Paul says twice. He says, "Be careful how you build on that foundation." the The foundation is laid on the apostles, on the apostles and the prophets, and it's not just the apostolic. Because you can you can think you're an apostle, but really, let me tell you, the whole mindset of what apostolic ministry needs to change and shift in the way that we think about apostles. For us, apostles mean you. Most most of it is, you know, an apostle has more than one church. And that is part of, but it is a very minute part of it because the predominant anointing of the apostolic ministry is to lay the foundation of the Gospel and to make sure that the foundation is set right and to make sure that it is set on Jesus Christ. Him being the chief cornerstone. Paul says the same thing twice. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you will get to hear some radical things. And I, I don't mean to bat, remember this. I'm, the, the anointing that I feel that, that God's put on my life is to help people stay free from religion. And some people, you know, just so you know, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get excited and you go out there and you tell somebody, oh, wow, you feel so free. And then they're gonna come and say, but, 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 and then you're gonna feel all down again. Because they're gonna come and tell you, but, but, but. And the problem is, is that let the truth be established within you. Let it capture your heart. Let it captivate you. Be rooted, be founded, so that when you do go out there and talk about it, you will have the answers. Are you with me? Yes. All right, so I think I've said quite a bit here this morning. How many of you have been blessed this morning? Come on. And we're all about seeing people launched into their destinies. That's also part of the apostolic ministry. The apostolic ministry will preach people out of the pews while the rest of them are trying to fill the pews. I'll say that one more time. The apostolic anointing tries to pe- will preach people out of their seats into God's destiny. Why? Where did they go? They, they got so excited about what Jesus did for them that they are so, I mean, they are so overwhelmed. The response is now so great that they can't help themselves. They feel like Jeremiah, they've got a fire shut up in their bones and they can, I mean, the fire is in their feet. All they wanna do is just go and do what Jesus wants them to do. Well, what about, what about everybody else? Well, Jesus will bring whoever, everybody, Jesus will bring who He needs to bring. Jesus is building this church. We don't try to build our church through manipulation and under false pretenses to woo people to us. We don't do that. We don't play those games. Either Jesus builds His church or He doesn't build His church. Amen. Can keep that, can we raise that sound up a little bit? Hallelujah. I'm almost done, I promise. I don't wanna keep you much longer. If you're here today, it's because the Spirit of God's led you to be here. We're not trying to be, listen, we are not here to be another voice in this region. or or not even another voice, we're not here to be an echo of what everybody else is doing. We're not, that's not what we're here for. If we keep on doing what we've always done, we're never gonna see a different result. So why are we clinging on to crap? Excuse my French. That was one of those cathartic moments. Why are we clinging on to garbage? The garbage that Paul says, I I consider everything that I've known as dung. So Paul also used that word. It's just more eloquent. Compared to Jesus, the mystery of the Gospel. Because let me tell you right now, what you hear now when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to work on the hearts of men, the Gospel alone is the only thing when preached in fullness has the power to circumcise the heart of a man and woman, nothing else. Everything else will be behaviour modification. Everything, religion can only teach you how to behave right. I'll say that one more time. Religion will only teach you how to behave right. Religion will only teach you mannerism. Religion will teach you how to raise your hands and when to say amen. But the Gospel has the power to circumcise your heart so that when you behave from a response place, it's now coming from the heart, not because anybody's taught you, just because you love God. That's what, that's what real relationship will do. That's what the true Gospel will do for you. And like Jesus, there's so much more I can tell you, but you can bear them right now. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, <laughs> there's so much more I could say, but you cannot bear them right now. And that was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, by the way. And He was saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna start to figure some of this out. But, but, but it's not beyond the nature of God to take you from glory to glory to glory. It's not beyond the nature because uh, Jeremiah said, guess what he said when he said there was a fire shut up in his bones. Before he said there's a fire shut up his bones, guess what he told God? God, you deceived me. Read your Bible. He said, God, you deceived me. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, "Mm -mm, God's not a deceiver. So what does He mean? You see, that, the Word of God being your foundation, Immediately, You see. You see. Here's the thing. I'm sorry, guys. Just consider this like a little bit of a revival overflow. Just, just being serious. People say they have discernment. What, what do you think? What do you think is the measurement for discernment? Well, how, okay. So, the word, not just the word of God, revelation and word that has come. Now, discernment is understanding the Scripture and how to apply them. In other words, when I have the truth or a truth, I submit it to the cross. If that truth tells me it's about me, then I haven't heard right. The moment I f- when, when everything comes out on the other side of that filter and Jesus is all that remains, that's what we put in. Are you with me? Yeah. So then that becomes the, me- the measurement for our discernment. and I can go further than that but let's just say this that's when half the church is still stuck in the book of job chapter 1 where he's saying the lord gives and the lord takes away so the half the church doesn't even know the nature and character of god and they will sing blessed be the name of the lord he gives and takes away he gives and takes no he doesn't give and he doesn't take away but that 's in the Bible are you bla- no i 'm not blaspheming no i 'm not blaspheming job when he said that had little understanding of who God was. Everything that he uttered from his mouth was from his perception and from what he had learned about God through what other people told him and his own assumptions. So when Job says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, it is a true statement, but it is not a statement of truth. Why? Because in Job chapter 42, Job says, Oh God, forgive me. He says, I repent God. Because he says, my ear, read it for yourself. Job 42, Job 42. He says, my ears have heard about you. I have heard about you from the hearing of my ear. In other words, what I thought about you was a misrepresentation because what I said about you was what I heard about you and I formed an opinion of you and he says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away and he said many other things but Job then says but now my eyes have seen you. He said I heard about you and I said things about you. I repent. But now I see you, and when I see you, that's how come I can tell. You. I, that's why he could say. But now I, but I've heard about you. But now I see you, and I realize I was wrong. And yet, in the new covenant, you know what blows my ever-loving mind. What blows my mind? Is that we look, the thief comes to rob, to kill and to destroy. God comes to give life and life more abundantly. Which part about that don't we understand? But now we're going to exalt the writings of Job over a new covenant scripture. I'm telling you, the new covenant scripture trumps the old one. Secondly, number two, Jesus is the trump card. Somebody say with me. This is the last point I'm making here. Jesus is the trump card. So if an old prophet did it and Jesus didn't do it, the buck stops with Jesus. I'll say that if somebody from the Old Testament did it and Jesus didn't do it, then that's where the buck stops. Jesus is superior to the old. Sorry, let's begin to put our heads on straight. Don't begin applying things and exalt, some of the things that don't need to be exalted when Jesus is the superior. He is the prototype. In other words, Jesus is the living being who comes and is actually, the Bible says, the express image of the Father in the earth. Jesus is the, is the model of showing the church, this is how we do church. This, and, and, and He's ushering in the age of the church, right? He's bringing in that age. He's the one we should be following. But we exalt the shadows more than the substance. Jesus is the substance. Okay, so, so Jesus is showing a new way. He's trying to show us how to do this thing because He is replicating the Father's desire in the earth. Jesus is literally the physical manifestation of the heart of God to us. So if you want your answer, look at Jesus. Amen? Yes. Uh, you know, there's a reason why I'm just taking on because it's kind of like I have to close this off so that, you know, I feel like it's a good enough lid on it. To, for you to walk away with. Here's the trump card. And, uh, how many, can somebody just say this with me? God never misses. So let me, okay, so I've told you to say God never misses. So let me make this statement. If God was to execute judgment on something specific, do you think he would miss? Okay, (laughs) because he doesn't miss. It's impossible. I'll say it's impossible. So don't put blame on God for things that happen out there as a judgment from God because God doesn't miss. And one, one major one that I can tell you is right here in New Orleans when Katrina came. if He was a God that brought judgment, let me tell you right now, He would have made sure that He hit the French quarters and He would not have missed it. So He didn't go, oops, I missed and now the French quarter remains. God doesn't miss. Are you with me? So let's not attach things to God that God never did. Just based on that simple revelation of God doesn't miss, Simple to understand, right? Hallelujah. Say, Jesus loves me. Say, God wants to use me. And say this, God is saying that He wants me to be fully saturated with the revelation of that first love. And say this, Lord, I wanna remember that place And then I want to bring every thought captive and every high place that that I have allowed into my life that has exalted itself above that truth. Okay, all right. So by one man's sin, all were made what? Then Jesus, by one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. But then the does the Bible continues that, by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. By whose obedience? OK, So by the obedience of Jesus, you were made righteous. OK? So now let's go quickly and throw this at you. Every thought bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. OK, Think about what I just said right now. By one man's obedience you were made righteous, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. By whose obedience were you made righteous? The obedience of Jesus. So every thought that is to be brought captive is every thought that will produce in your Christian walk the conclusion that it's about you is a thought that you need to bring captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I just said to you? It's a very hard thing when we've been in the way for many, many years to have to it's all all it takes is just humbling ourselves to to God. That's all it is. People want to hold on. Because sometimes it's a difficult thing to humble ourselves to to the understanding that we might be wrong or we might have believed incorrectly. Anybody? But the quicker you humble yourself to it, the quicker God can exalt you to a new place. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you watching online, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com, click on Give today and you can uh, have a safe and secure way of giving. For those of you that are here in church today, if we can have that, uh, you can text. Uh, well, that's fine, Leave, the, leave uh, text to Give, 337 uh, 434 That's for those of you who are in the United States and I believe Canada. Text 337 text the word Give to that number and you will receive a link to give safely and securely. If you are writing out checks, make them out to Destiny Revival Ministries or just DRM if you don't wanna write a whole lot. There are envelopes and pens and you can give on that side, but thank you for tuning in. I hope you have been blessed and uh, love every one of you. God bless you and um, hallelujah. Come on, let's give, let's, listen, let's plunder hell and let's populate heaven. And, and and let's be the voice of truth because I know God is wanting to shake the city for His glory, amen? Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, amen. God bless you, everybody. Love you if you need anything. And if you want ministry, please come up to the front. Myself and others will pray for you if there's anybody that needs prayer. Love you, is there anything I'm missing? No. Okay, God bless you, thank you for coming, amen. And let's give Jesus one more shout of praise. One, two, three, hallelujah.